This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time for the hard-hitting analysis you won't find anywhere else. Here's former Super Bowl winning scout Brian Broaddus and Bobby Belt. 10, 5, victory! Cowboys win! This is Love of the Star. Love of the Star. Welcome to the Love of the Star podcast. I'm Bobby Belt, Dallas Cowboys insider for 105 Japan in Dallas. I am joined as always by former Super Bowl winning NFL scout Brian Broaddus. He is now the co-host of the G-Bag Nation, 2 to 7 p.m. Central, Monday through Friday on 105 Through the Fan. And he is also the pre- and post-game co-host on the Dallas Cowboys Radio Network. Brian Broaddus, how are you today, sir? I am doing well, Robert. Thank you very much. And uh, yes, uh, you uh, you hear the voice also of uh, mentioned Bobby Belt. I always thought to talk about you, brag on you a little bit, Bobby. You say you are the insider. You do a great job of that. You do also have a show with Sean and RJ, 532 10 Monday through Friday on 105.3 The Fan, uh, again, co-host of The Draft Show, and soon to be award winner of uh, the host of Love of the Star. So always happy to be with you, Robert. Exactly. We're, we'll get our award soon enough. I, I don't know what award it will be exactly, but... We're going to have an award. We're going to make up an award for something. We're, we, for the best fans, the best show fans. That's the yeah, award. Yeah, no, you know what? You're right about that. You're absolutely right about that. You know, the, the, the fans who listen to this show on a... Uh, when we when we put it out, the numbers and stuff, we can't thank you guys enough for everything you've done for me and Bobby. It it really it's one of the best things. I I love doing this show. I love doing the show with you, Bobby, and 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 I'm just glad that the fans appreciate it as well. I I do too. I, it's a it's always a good time doing this. And today we are going to continue our roster inventory. So taking a look at where the Cowboys roster stands as we get closer to training camp. Uh, Next segment, we're going to dive into some of the guys that could be breakout candidates this year for the Cowboys, maybe some guys that have a shot to regress. But, Brian, as we take a look at this roster inventory, we've already done the backfield. We did quarterbacks and running backs. Last episode, we did pass catchers, so we touched on the receivers and the tight ends. Today, we will take a look at the offensive line, which, depending on, you know, how varied it is, there's always the initial 53. That's what people tend to call it these days instead of the final 53. Um, but generally, nine, ten, something like that is the the number of offensive linemen that the team carries. Uh, you know, in the last decade, I think they've carried as many as eleven, uh, which is a really high number, and then they've carried as few as eight before. Um, but as we look at this, let's probably operate from the assumption that it's going to be nine, and then if they need an extra one, ten. Um, but let's look at how this all breaks out. So currently on the roster. Uh, The Cowboys have 15 offensive linemen. And so I'll run through those names really quickly. Awesome Richards, Tyler Smith, Alex Taylor, Matt Willetsko, Josh Ball, Earl Bostick, Tyron Smith, Terrence Steele, TJ Bass, Chuma Idoga, Matt Farniak, uh, Zach Martin, Tyler Biotish, Brock Hoffman, Alec Lindstrom. So as we take a look at this group, there are a few slam dunks, obviously. Tyler Smith is on this football team. Uh, Tyron Smith and Terrence Steele are on this football team. Um, you know, 
Zach Martin is on this football team. Tyler Biotish is on this football team. Those are your your five right up front. So that's half of the list right there. So let's kind of, uh, before we work down into who else makes the rest of the roster, those, those five names we just listed, if you talk about putting the best five out there, the fact that those five feel like the slam dunk, is that the starting offensive line? And we just don't know what spot each of those guys is going to play yet. Tyler Smith, Tyron Smith, Terrence Steele, Zach Martin, and Tyler Biotish. Yeah, I think you're on to something there, Bobby. Uh, we, you know, I don't, I don't know if we got a lot of clues uh, during the OTAs and mini camps. It, it seemed like that there were days where Tyler Smith was guard, and then there were other days he was tackle. Tyron Smith was on the right side, and then he was on the left side. Uh, I know talking to people in the organization about Steele that he is, uh, he, uh, you know, usually these uh, these guys coming off a knee injury, they're limited going into the practices and stuff like that. Uh, it seems like to me that they're going to integrate him more into the early part of practices. So hopefully we'll get to see Terrence Steele out there. But I don't think we have a really clear feeling, and I don't think we're going to have a clear feeling in for another month until we get to Oxnard and see exactly, you know, what they're thinking. Is, uh, you know, is Tyron Smith clearly your left tackle? Is Tyler Smith clearly your left guard? I don't think we're to that point yet, uh, but I know in four weeks' time when we get out there and practice, uh, we'll have a much better understanding of where that's going to be. So when you look at those five, that's that's the guys who are slam dunks. We've got four, maybe five roster spots left uh, for the remaining 10 guys. I, I feel like, Brian, that just given what we've seen from the last couple of years, what we saw during the offseason program, I feel pretty comfortable that their top reserves to them are Matt Willetsko and Matt Farniak. Um, do you think yeah. that those two guys are probably good bets to to have spots here? No, absolutely. I, and I, I, you know, the fact that Farniak, uh, you know, last year opening day, Tampa Bay uh, injury, uh, you know, to McGovern, and then all of a sudden, who was in the game? It was Matt Farniak was in yep. the game, and so to me. I think they like the versatility. I feel like they feel like that Matt Farniak can maybe play all the offensive line positions if they he do. had to. And so with that being said, Farniak is in this mix. I think that I I I think well let's go is in this mix. Uh I think that it's gonna come down to I think with with Adogba Adogba uh, Adoga Adoga, excuse me. I think with Adoga I think it might come down to him and maybe even Josh Ball. I, you know, I, I, I feel like they're going to protect Awesome Richards and maybe he will be the last guy. So I would put him as the very last guy. But I just, I don't know. Will always does a really good job of protecting himself. If you listen to our broadcast, uh, these podcasts we do, we talk about, I think he did the same thing with Ronald Jones. You get a veteran yeah. player, you put him in the mix. If you know it helps you in those preseason games to have a veteran offensive lineman in there when you're trying to evaluate other players. You don't, you know, you're not. These guys are, you know, they they're going to have opportunities, and you don't want there just to be complete busts on the front of the uh, of the offensive line in these preseason games. But I think with uh, 
with him, they're looking at it as okay. If none of these, if none of these young guys show up uh, and do well in training camp, I think that's where you'll see Adogba uh, be uh, involved with what what's going on. So let's let's try to I guess whittle down some of the cuts. Uh, I, I guess uh, I think the when you just look at in all likelihood it's an uphill battle for Earl Bostic. Uh, the I think so. Yeah, out of Kansas. So well, we'll, let we'll me say something. Yeah, yeah, let me see something real quick, Bobby, about this. And what happens is why. And when you were going through the numbers earlier, and I should have jumped in on this when you talk about keeping eleven or ten these offensive linemen. Offense and defensive linemen are the hardest positions to find during the season. You're always going to go heavy at those positions if you have to go one more guy because the likelihood of, like, if you have an injury, then, you know, you have to go out and get a guy or go uh, poach somebody off a practice squad. And it just it just doesn't always work out. You're better off carrying extra offense and defensive linemen you know, and in the, the Cowboys case, the extra offense and defensive linemen might turn into a surplus to where you move on and you can move one of these guys for another for a back or another position, another a linebacker or something yeah. like that that you might need. So always in the in the in the in the team building aspects of everywhere I've ever been. We never really wanted to part ways with these offense and defensive linemen because it was just so hard to find them uh, during the season, like in week five, week seven, week 10, you know, when you needed one. When you look at the – so Bostic, you're right. I think that he's somebody that they'd like on the practice squad. He's got tackle guard flexibility. I think that he's somebody that they'd like to have at their disposal. I just don't know that it's enough to keep a roster spot over right. some of these other guys. Alex Taylor, a guy they signed late last year, he does have a little bit of NFL experience, but I mean, that's somebody that is pretty much tackle specific. I don't know that that's going to win the day when you consider how many of these other guys are position flexible. Let's look at the centers really quickly behind Biotish. It's Brock Hoffman and Alec Lindstrom. Um, Lindstrom, I know he, he's a little different because he's a left-handed snapping center. That's he is. not very common. He and is. I, Last year, there, it felt like there was an issue with snapping to, to rush, and I don't know if that was related to he's left-handed and that's just different, um, but there was that. Do you think they would like to keep a pure center on the active roster, or with this number crunch here, do you think they'd say, look, our we, we've got other guys we like, we're just going to have to take the flexibility of Farniak, and that's our backup center? I think that's what they're going to do. I think Farniak's the backup center. Uh, I think they trust him with his ability to play, like I mentioned, all five positions. I'm glad you confirmed that, uh, you know, with how he plays. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't think we we'll, – to me, the thing with Lindstrom, and maybe it's a practice squad situation for him, I physically looked at him. He doesn't look different. You know, usually guys that have been here a year, you put them in the weight room. Him, uh, you know, with Josh Ball, guys like that, they just don't physically look different. And that always bothered me when you have a whole year to kind of all you do is, you know, eat right, be in the weight room, get a workout, you know, develop yourself a little bit. I I just don't see a physically a different looking guy here. And I that bothers me a little bit about him. So we've we've confirmed or, or we feel like pretty confident about seven of these guys. We've we've made four cuts here. So there's two spots left, maximum three, and we've got four guys, Brian. Yeah. We've got Chuma Idoga, TJ Bass from Oregon, who I know they think really highly of. Yeah. Um, Josh Ball, 
and Awesome Richards. The one thing that stands out to me about these four names, if you really wanted to keep three and say we, we've got to keep three, then you only have to make one cut. If you have to make one cut, even if they like Bass, do you think they look at it and say, look, Bass here is the only guy who's confined really to just one position. Edoga, Ball, Richards, we can get them to play inside or outside. Yeah, you know, I to me, Bass is really interesting, and, and that's one of those ones – he was in for Martin during. The I know, game. I know, and that's and that's what's interesting to me is they thought enough of him to put him in there and take a look at him. This this reminds me of of basically if you and kind of work with me on this one if you will, mm-hmm. but this reminds me of Ridgeway. You know, all of a sudden you've got a guy that you feel like maybe this guy's got some promise. They drafted Ridgeway, the tackle from Arkansas last year. Yep. And then all of a sudden, you know, this is a guy that I was surprised that went undrafted. I was surprised that Bass went undrafted. And this might be one of those things where all of a sudden you're sitting there and you're one of those teams and you're looking for your 10th offensive lineman. And you're like, well, hell, our grades on him were good enough to draft. They got film on him playing in three preseason games. You know, the Cowboys have to be careful about how much they show him if they really want to protect him and keep him around, if they want to try and get him through waivers. I would kind of think that maybe they would try and keep him instead of keeping a veteran guy. You know what I'm saying there? That, hey, let's go with, let's go, let's keep three young offensive linemen and see if we can develop uh, all three of them in order, because they've gotten. Matt Willetsko has gotten better. He, oh, yeah. He's gotten better. The thing that scares me again, too, is the change in the offensive line coach. You know, I mean, I think Joe Philbin actually did a pretty damn good job with these young guys. So I think that, you know, that's the, that's the Mike Solari's mission now or, you know, uh, you know the, the, the assistant line coach job is to make sure that that guys like Awesome Richards and Matt Willetsko and and those guys, Bass, that don't get a lot of work, you know, maybe during the week, can develop uh, in these practices and the opportunities they get running scout team even against a, a, a Cowboy defensive line that we feel like is pretty good. Yeah, and so it, let's assume they do keep Bass. Uh, yeah. If, if they do, I Maybe think they make that... him a center too. Maybe they cross-train him, you know? Sure. I think that if they keep Bass, that means they're keeping ten. So at that yeah, point, you're talking yeah. about you're talking about either cutting a veteran or cutting your fifth round pick, Awesome Richards. So let's let's say they they yeah. keep Bass. Which of Richards, Ball, or Edoga do you think is on the chopping block? I think I would get rid of Edoga if it was me. I, I think I would get move on from him. I, you know, I mean, to me, it I I I know what Edoga is. Okay, yeah. I know my pro department knows what a doga is. I don't. I'm not parting ways with Awesome Richards. I'm sorry. I, I, maybe two years from now we'll all look back and go, "Ah, oh, Broadus, you were wrong about Awesome Richards." You know they've they've taken these offensive tackles and stuff from these directional schools and you know Northern Illinois and Central Michigans and yeah. Toledo's and Marshalls and all that. This kid played legitimate football at North Carolina, and you watched him play against Clemson and Florida State 
and Miami and teams with Notre Dame and teams with really good edge rushers. And he more than held his own. And this guy's got really good feet. You talk to people in the organization. All they need to say is he needs to get stronger. Maybe he's the ninth or tenth guy. I am not putting him back out on the street. I'm sorry. I'm not going to. You know, now, maybe he'll look like butt when we play, you know, uh, you know, in the training camp and the practices and preseason. But these young linemen, you got to just stick with them. You got to hang with them. You got to make sure that they develop and they get training and they get coaching and they, you know, they understand what they're doing. But there's a reason why they picked Awesome Richards where they did. And I totally agree with what they did there. Totally agree. I think. Uh, man, I, I just funny. I had a chance again. I'm name drop this one. I talked to Will McClay about him. I told Will, I said, I said, man, I love Awesome Richards. And Will says, man, we do too. He just needs a little bit more strength training, and you know he'll be better. But the athletic ability, the feet, the length, all those things fit into what they want in an offensive tackle. So as we look at this then, uh, take a look at the offensive line, at least tentatively. This is not a hard and fast rule, but at least tentatively, this is uh, what it sounds like you're looking at, Brian, for the offensive line grouping, that they would keep Tyler Smith, Tyron Smith, Terrence Steele, Zach Martin, Tyler Biotis. Those are your big five up front. Five, yeah. And then your reserves would be Matt Farniak, Matt Willetsko, TJ Bass, Awesome Richards, and Josh Ball. Man, yeah, the, the the Josh Ball is the one that's the the, the question for me. Baller Doga is really Baller Doga. That's that's where this is going to come down to. I, I think the others, uh, and we'll see what happens with Bass. But man, that's that's a big man, three hundred twenty five pounds. I guarantee you, he was on some people's draft boards, and Dallas fought for him and got him in free agency. And you put somebody out there, a young offensive lineman on the street for waivers to be claimed, uh, you're you're kind of you're you're dancing and they're dancing in the fire a little bit there. Well, and let's let's remember one very important aspect of this when we're talking about back end of the roster and cuts being made. Um, you know, when you talk about TJ Bass and you talk about Awesome Richards and them being in play with Josh Ball uh, or even Chumi Doga, um, remember, Mike Solari, your new offensive line coach, did not pick Josh Ball. We, we know right. he at least had some input on Edoga, Richards, and Bass. Right. And so there's some level of approval there that does not exist for Josh Ball. He may like Ball, but at least we, we know for certain he has given his approval to those three. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, th- these line coaches, it's kind of funny. Uh, Tyler Smith worked out really, really well. And we were hearing that really that, uh, you know, the previous regime uh, really, you know, was not too high on Tyler Smith. And that yeah. seemed to work out pretty well for them. Exactly. You are listening to the Love of the Star podcast. The Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. All right, before we move on to the next topic here, I need to remind you guys about our wonderful partner here at the Love of the Star podcast. It is Boomer Jacks. 
And I keep telling you guys about Boomer Jacks, specifically what Boomer Jacks has ready for you on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. It's great wing deals. On Tuesdays, it's half-price bone-in wings. Wednesdays are half-price boneless wings. But they have great deals for you the rest of the time, too. They got drink specials starting at $3. They have $15 buckets of beer. There are wall-to-wall TVs. Every sporting event you could ever imagine is on the televisions there when you go to Boomer Jacks. They have TVs in the bathroom. There's literally not a time where you will miss a moment of the action. Live music. Like I said, wall-to-wall TVs, great drink specials, great food. It's just a fantastic atmosphere for whatever you're looking for. And it's why we're so excited to have them as our partner here at Love the Star. There are 17 DFW locations. You can find yours by going to boomerjacks.com. That's boomerjacks.com. All right, Brian, uh, we're going to talk here now about some of the guys that we look at for this season that could be breakout candidates for the Cowboys and maybe some guys that we expect to regress a little bit, whether it's just because of age or uh, maybe they played above their heads a little bit last year. Uh, so let's go through these names a little bit. Some of the guys that we look at, if you were going to look at one prime candidate for regression, uh, a guy that you think, whether it's we're going to see a veteran continue to make a decline or maybe he's going to enter the beginning of decline or just maybe somebody uh, playing a little bit more down to earth. What guy do you look at and say that's a, a prime candidate in 2023 for the Cowboys to be a regression guy? We had this discussion on our show on 105.3 The Fan. I know you guys had the discussion as well, I believe, this morning, talking Mm -hmm. about regression guys and stuff like that. And it's funny, we came up with the name of Tyron Smith as a guy that might be one of those that you – are we starting to see the end of Tyron Smith? You know, we – uh, he clearly wasn't as good as he needed to be. I, I thought he was going to fill in very well at right tackle. Him and Zach Martin. Martin actually regressed with Ty- with Tyron Smith playing next to him. You know, yeah. but maybe with Tyron Smith back on the left side, uh, that you know it it might help him in that way. But I, I think we're starting to see the end of Tyron Smith, and I I worry about that's that's one of the reasons why I'm not so interested or very quick into moving Tyler Smith from left tackle. You know, I'm I'm more interested in trying to keep developing steel uh, at right tackle. Uh, hopefully, everything goes well there. It looks like it is going in the right direction. Him and Britt Brown doing a nice job, and and Duke, those guys, you know, all helping. Yeah. But uh, I kind of feel like that that maybe that would be one on the offense. I the defensive one. Could we start to see a regression of uh, Dorrance Armstrong? You know, could that be the one where all of a sudden Sam Williams is playing very, very, very well, and then all of a sudden uh, Dorrance Armstrong kind of becomes a uh, becomes a kind of an afterthought? I believe he had eight sacks last year. Eight and a half, yeah. It, you, you know, do you expect him to have eight and a half sacks this year? I think that might be a little bit of a a little bit of a stretch right now. So those are kind of two guys that I think that we that we're that we might see a little regression from. It's interesting. Dorrance Armstrong uh, last year had eight and a half sacks and uh, 16 quarterback hits. Uh, The year before, he had five sacks and 12 quarterback hits. So just looking at the stat sheet, it would say he was getting better. better. I don't think he was better last year. I I think there was a a little bit of uh, box score padding at times. Not, Not that he's doing anything to manipulate. It's just I think he got some cleanup sacks. He was fortunate in a couple areas I I thought he was actually better in 2021 so the fact that I think he played above 
where we would have expected. I don't think he he was an eight and a half sack type of player. Yeah. So I think that'll naturally re- regress. And then you consider the the potential for Sam Williams to come on, like you mentioned, and take away some of his snaps. Because uh, I, I think specifically Sam Williams not only has the chance to be better against you know, you know as a pass rusher this year, I think he's already better against the run than Armstrong. Uh, then I think that you're looking at. Uh, you know, Armstrong is absolutely a guy that that will in this box score definitely regress. Do you think there might be some regression with Jordan Lewis coming off an injury? Yeah, because I mean, Jordan Lewis is—he's not quite thirty yet, but I mean, he's getting close. Uh, he's already a smaller guy. He's not a a burner of any sort of type. Wow, he's only—he's—he's he's going to be twenty-eight this year. I thought he was a little older than that, but um, I mean, the Liz Frank injury—he was already not exactly a, a speed guy a little undersized you look at some of the numbers in in the corner room right now you've already got Diggs, bland gilmore to me that's your easy top three um and then you know you've got guys that you've invested in like you know i, I know he's struggled and he's been a disappointment but they've in, invested in kelvin joseph they've invested in Nashawn wright um how much of an opportunity do those guys get they seem to like eric scott the guy they drafted this year from Southern Miss, they they made a deal to go get him. Even though it's a day three guy, they made a deal to go get him. And there's some cap savings to be had if you let go of Jordan Lewis. So yeah. I kind of wonder if Jordan Lewis is even assured being here. But absolutely, if he is here, I, I think it's going to be a much quieter year from him than we're used to. Well, I think that we're all – I mean, could – okay, this is going to sound even stranger. Could there be regression from Deron Bland – from the rookie year, how great wow. he was in the rookie year. I mean, I, could, had, I mean, Deron Bland was around a lot of balls, uh, knocking them down, interceptions. Could Deron Bland kind of come back down to earth after being? I know we're all heaping very high praise on him for the way he's played. So I, I that's kind of one of those wonders I have is, it, it would it be considered regression if he just plays to? Kind of like, wow, we really didn't know a whole lot about Deron Bland, and you know he's a good player. But you know, last year, man, he looked like a guy that if you had to start Deron Bland at corner, you would you weren't feeling too terrible about that. No, I, I think that that's actually a a really interesting name to throw out because I mean, sophomore slumps happen. Um, you you have guys who don't play as well in their second year. Um, I mean, he's your. I'm guessing. That, we haven't seen the combinations obviously yet, but I'm guessing he's your nickel guy. That, yeah. that it's going to be Gilmore and Diggs on the outside, and and Bland steps in and, and plays the nickel. Uh, which man, he he really did an admirable job. Did you? I'm curious. Did you think he was better inside or outside last year? Inside. Okay, so I mean, he's he's playing somebody somewhere where he showed a, a you know some good ability last year. That's I, I what makes him unique to me. I mean, the fact that he could play inside outside and. I don't think you could do that with Jordan Lewis. I think Jordan Lewis is just an inside player, you know? Well, and I remember we, you know, we talked about this right after the draft. I, you and I talked that year and I remember I told you, I was like, man, I'm hearing big buzz out of that building that they think Deron Bland, they got a massive steal there. Yeah. So I know they were excited about him. He is, his process, I think is something that they really love. 
um, that he's not just a talented player. He is a hard worker and he's somebody who's picked up being a pro very, very quickly. So I do think it, it, it makes sense to ask about him as somebody who could regress just because of his, you know, the way he burst on the scene. But I, I think that he's going to perform well. Uh, I, I think he's going to be somebody that maybe he doesn't take a huge leap because he played so well his rookie year. Um, but I don't think he's necessarily going to be somebody that's going to regress. Do you think we're looking at Demarcus Lawrence potentially as a candidate to regress? Sure. You could put him in with the, with with Tyron Smith. You could put him in the, you know, you're starting to get veteran, uh, veteran player. You know, I, I think that maybe, I think maybe that Lawrence might be the guy that if others start to show a little bit better, that this time next year we could talk about him potentially being moved on because of money or something like that. You know, he's going to play at a high level because he plays the run well and he's going to just needs to stay healthy. That's always the thing with him is that you, you know, when he's out there in the field, he's going to make two or three of those tackle for losses that were just really instinctual plays. And so, yeah, I'm kind of, but I, I think that I would lump him in with that group of, uh, I would group lump him in the group with the Tyron Smiths, you know, the veteran guy that we might be seeing towards the end. How about, can I throw one more name at you? Yeah. I'm, I'm interested what you think. Uh, could Tyler Biotish regress? Ooh. From the from him, how well he played. He's kind of like you, you mentioned, like with Bland. You know, I mean, played at a really. I mean, he made the Pro Bowl as an alternate, right? So yeah. Oh, you know, I, I mean, it feels like it feels like people forgot. So I was. He got yeah. better as the year went on. I and, mean, and I was doing I was doing some research. I, I was going back listening to some old shows we had done in December, the morning show, and I had forgotten. I was going back and listening. I had forgotten how much we were in a little bit of a panic. He rolled his ankle at the end of the year. We were like, is he going to play yeah. against Tampa? Yeah. Is that, how big of a deal is that going to be? So he was absolutely huge. You know, what's interesting is think about, he's not going to have the same guy. Uh, Tyler Smith played left tackle all last year. So he's, you're talking about changing who's next to him at left guard. And we just mentioned, could Zach Martin be somebody who regresses a little bit just because of given where he's at in his career and his age, um, that alone would seem to indicate if you're talking about a new guy to your left and a a potentially regressing aging player to your right, that alone, the guys bracketing you, if they're struggling, I would imagine that would naturally set up for Tyler Biotis to have a little bit of a letdown. Yeah, I to me, I he he played so well. And I, I remember I was on with uh Cowboy break with Nick Eatman and Amber Garcia and Derek Eagleton. And we were coming out of Oxnard and we were talking about guys that potentially needed to be replaced. And his name came up as a guy that, Hey, we think you have to do better there, but man, he, he, he got better every single week that he played. So maybe some natural regression there. Maybe, you know, hopefully he continues to rise to the occasion, but, you know, he might be like Bland that, man, he played so well that if he just plays okay, it's noticeable. All right, let's talk about uh, some guys who are candidates to break out potentially. I know you and I have uh, mentioned Damone Clark uh, yeah. as an interesting guy. Um, Sam Williams seems like a natural fit. We, we kind of referenced him when talking about Dorrance Armstrong. Here's another one throw your way just because of how limited he was last year. Is is Jalen Tolbert a candidate you think to break out and and really have a, a big bounce back second year? 
Well, uh, I know you're hoping about it listening to your show this morning. Uh, you were talking about, please, yeah, please, Jalen Tolbert. Yeah, Jalen Tolbert. I, I know last year during the draft, uh, you were championing him. I felt like I was championing him, but not to the level of what you were championing him. Uh, but yeah, they need, they need, matter of fact, I was talking to some guys in the organization, much like you do about this. And they were saying, I said, did you guys purposely not address the wide receiver until the seventh round because of Jalen Tolbert? And this guy goes, absolutely. You know, we want Jalen to have every opportunity to show what he can do. And they felt like that. I asked a question about, well, because he missed OTAs and minicamp. And then you guys threw him in the deep end of the pool and he couldn't swim. And I go, is that a theory? And they go, that would be correct. And so I felt good. I actually asked a question that got the right answer. But, yeah, this is, this is where they're at with him. They, they need him to step up. And all indications are that the work he's done in the backyard, the work he's done in the offseason with, uh, you know, the strength and conditioning program, uh, the work that he's done, you know, in the OTAs and mini camps, that he is better equipped to go in there and be a confident football player when we get to Oxnard. So as you double-crossed your fingers, I think there's a lot of people that share the absolute same sentiment that you do about getting him, uh, getting him done. You know, getting him, uh, you know, getting him going the right way. Would you consider Oso Digizua a guy who has already broken out, or is he somebody who you think has a chance to break out this year? I think Osa's kind of been a breakout guy already. I really, really do. I think that, uh, you know, he's he's just he's he just needs to the down in down out. He's starting to get that. You know, he starts off really, really well, and he kind of faded a little bit. But I think down in down out, he has been. He's going to continue to improve so I think he's already kind of breaking out I think whoever you play next to him whether it's Mozzie Smith or whoever I think those guys are going to benefit from how well Osa is going to play I think he's I think he's I think he's really buying into what Dan Quinn and and AD and those guys are selling over there on the defensive line I think his technique has gotten better Uh, I I expect him to have a really good year can I can I throw a guy at you on yes. this potential breakout, mm-hmm. how about Israel Mukwamu? I I really like Israel Mukwamu. If he were to get the opportunities, then it, absolutely, it's just it's going to be so deep back there. They, the Cowboys have really good depth at safety, um, which is where Mukwamu had been largely, but it, it's he's been working a lot more at corner lately. Um, but even still there, they've, they've kind of got their top three solidified, like we mentioned. And you've got the veteran in Jordan Lewis. How much do they want to keep, uh, you know, uh, how much deference is he going to get? Uh, so there are those aspects of it that you have to consider. But I think McQuamu is a very capable player. I I don't know about you, Brian. If if somebody went down and they said, coming into the game, like, you know, a corner went down, it's coming into the game is Israel McQuamu. I don't have a panic. Like, I don't feel yeah. – I'm not going to feel afraid. Like, even if he's not great, I don't think teams are going to be able to just go seek him out and pick on him the way they did Kelvin Joseph against Green Bay last year. And yeah. so I think he's real McQuam was a great name. Yeah, I think that, it, you know, the fact that they've got him playing some nickel slot and on the outside and stuff too with that length, I, I just trust Dan Quinn and, and Joe Witt and – and Al Harris and those guys, I think that they're going to get, 
I think they're going to put him in the right spot to have success. I really, really do. You have uh, expressed your 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 fascination, I guess. I, I, won't, I won't say a love, but a, a fascination with the potential with Peyton Hendershot and his ability to stretch the field. Um, obviously, Hendershot, Ferguson, uh, Schoonmaker, they're all going to be involved in, in this tight end race here. Who do you think, Brian? I think these are two guys you've talked about as guys you think have the potential to, to do something bigger this year if they if they tap into it who do you think has a better chance to break out Peyton Hendershot in the tight end group or Chauncey Golston on the defensive line oh I love Chauncey Golston I love Chauncey Golston I think Chauncey Golston's another buy-in guy I think they're looking for a backup behind Osa Odigizua and so I think Chauncey Golston playing is that three technique the guy's going to work hard in the weight room. He's going to be prepped. He's going to be smart. Uh, if you watched him at Iowa as an edge, he played really good with his hands. He was a hard guy to get to the outside on. You can't run the ball on him. I could see him playing on that outside shoulder of the guard and getting up the field, kind of just being dis- being a disruptive player. So I, I'm going to vote Chauncey Golston as that guy of the two you just gave me. So there are some players to potentially watch for breakouts. And maybe How about you? Players. Which way did you go? Did you? Uh, which way I would did you go? go Golston. They they yeah. thought really highly of Golston the entire yeah. time, and he had some they injuries, and, and they've been asking him to do some different stuff than he was asked to do at Iowa. So I think there's been a transition period. But I yeah. think you're right with the buying guy. Uh, to them, I, I think they feel like Golston is one of the handful of young players that they could say, "Go put on 20 pounds of muscle." All right, drop it. Yeah, Get he'll them. do it. They, yeah, they he'll know do it. No, he's yeah. going to do it. Yeah, and so yeah. I think they they love the work ethic, and they know they can ask him to do. He is very much like a Tyrone Crawford for them. Exactly, they, they trust that he he will do anything and buy in. Exactly. Uh, you're listening to the Love of the Star podcast. The Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, before we move on to the next topic here, I need to remind you guys about our wonderful partner here at the Love of the Star podcast. It is Boomer Jacks. And I keep telling you guys about Boomer Jacks, specifically what Boomer Jacks has ready for you on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. It's great wing deals. On Tuesdays, it's half-price bone-in wings. Wednesdays are half-price boneless wings. But they have great deals for you the rest of the time, too. They got drink specials starting at $3. They have $15 buckets of beer. There are wall-to-wall TVs. Every sporting event you could ever imagine is on the televisions there when you go to Boomer Jacks. They have TVs in the bathroom. There's literally not a time where you will miss a moment of the action. Live music. Like I said, wall-to-wall TVs, great drink specials, great food. It's just a fantastic atmosphere for whatever you're looking for, and it's why we're so excited to have them as our partner here at Love the Star. There are 17 DFW locations. You can find yours by going to boomerjacks.com. That's boomerjacks.com. All right, Brian, it is now time for our Dean Julia Love of the Star mailbag. It's where we turn things over to our dear, sweet listeners. Uh, First question here. Uh, Let's go with this one from Billy. And maybe this is a little bit like a breakout candidate. Uh, who is this year's Duran Bland, a rookie who doesn't initially start, but maybe becomes a solid contributor by the end of the year? Oh, I've got my answer. If you go if ahead. You, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. It, Hunter Lipke seems like a guy it, a asking for draft picks or guys that are just a rookie, a rookie who could just who could a rookie. Yeah. They're, they're sure using Hunter Lipke a lot mm-hmm. in a lot of different ways. And, you know, is that one back runner? Uh, we'll see if he does the fullback stuff. I haven't seen him do any edge or wing or any of that kind of stuff yet. But I wonder if I wonder if he's going to be that guy that we're really not t- 
talking about a whole heck of a lot that, okay, they got a role for him, but then all of a sudden they find out he could do a lot of other different things. You know me, I love Luke Schoonmaker. I, I think that yeah. Luke Schoonmaker, if you, if you ask me which rookie could have the most, be the most productive, this is one of those things that's, uh, as you would say, the, the receipts, you could go back and get the receipts on this one. Yeah. But I, I really do like Luke Schoonmaker. I know a lot of people love Mozzie Smith and what Mozzie Smith can do. And I think Mozzie Smith is going to be just fine. I think Michigan underutilized Luke Schoonmaker as a receiver. I think that he, I think he's going to show people that he can play. But, uh, but that Hunter Lipke is a guy that keep an eye on him because he keeps getting a lot of reps or he did in the OTAs and mini camps with the ones. You know, they were finding spots for him to to be on the field. So maybe they have a plan for him. All right. So my answer is going to be very similar to Deron Bland. It is going to be a uh, a day three pick from the Mountain West Conference, and it's Junior Fajoko. Um, that, that, look, when we talk about how much trust we give to Dan Quinn and how much we believe in him, that was about the most excited he looked that entire draft weekend is when they got Fajoko. And you just hear there's a, a lot of excitement for him with that player and and just the the energy that he plays with and all the different things that they think he can do. They they honestly, if you go out there and you saw it out at some of these offseason practices, I'll be interested to see exactly how it looks when they get to Oxnard. Um, but you look at the fact that he was in a three-point stance on the edge. He was on a two-point stance standing up. They play him at three technique. They are asking him to do a lot of different things and I, I think that they believe this is somebody who can handle all of these different things we're asking to do. Stand up and rush, rush from, you know, the edge in a, in a three-point stance or, you know, attack as a, a three technique. And so I think they they believe in him a great deal. And just with defensive line rotations, I, I think Fajoko is a guy who uh, is going to catch some attention and somebody that Dan Quinn has a very clear, defined idea of how he wants to use him. No love for overshown, huh? Neither one of us that showed any love there on that one. I like they're, 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 okay. They're, they're kind of light at linebacker. There's a they're lot of questions. Yeah, they're, they're very they're, high on them. Yeah, I know, but they're very light as far as do what do you even know about some of your starters and what do you even know about some of your backups? I mean, yeah. he's got a shot to kind of show up and do some things. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's, he's going to be given the chance. And this is somebody who at Texas was asked to do everything. I, I mean, this is somebody who – Rushed occasionally. He played linebacker. He played safety. He did nickel a little bit when he was there early at Texas. He is a true, like, I mean, can play all three levels of the defense. Uh, and that's why they were so high. We talked to Mitch LaPointe on DallasCowboys.com on day three of the draft. Um, their assistant director of college scouting. And he is uh, actually, he maybe is Mitch director of college scouting now. He is the director, uh, I believe. At this they got all okay. Yeah, they got okay. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's a very important person in their scouting uh, group. But, um, Mitch LaPointe told us that was somebody they debated taking it when they took Schoonmaker. Like they were willing to take Overshone in the second round, and, and they and that was one of his favorite picks of the draft. So uh definitely a player that that's worth watching uh and somebody who can do a lot of different things. Next question here uh from Brian and Cheryl Burkett. Uh it says keep reading tweets stating Mike McCarthy is under pressure this season to keep his job. Uh, do you guys see it that way? I personally think McCarthy is finally getting to do what he wants and is confident in himself and his staff. No more pressure than any other year. I think it's pressure, Brian, from the sense that the fact that he is finally able to do what he wants to do, and that is the way he described it, 
you heard him a couple weeks ago, said we're finally running the offense that we want to. Um, I think this is, hey, we've had a couple disappointments in the way we've ended the season the last couple of years. So this is your your last gasp, and you're going to get to go out your way. You can either save it or have it go the other way. So I do agree that he's finally getting to do what he wants to do and, and have control, um, but I think that that only speaks to the pressure he's under in terms of his job security. Yeah, you know, uh, I asked this question again on our radio show on 105.3, the fan, uh, the G-Bag Nation. I asked my guys in the sports mix. I do that every Friday, and I said – is the pressure on Mike McCarthy, hot seat pressure, media-driven or cowboy front office-driven? And we all kind of came to the realization that it might be more of a uh, media-driven thing mm-hmm. than, the, than the Cowboys. Uh, clearly, he has to find a way to, you know, be, you know, have a successful season, have some success in the playoffs. You know, if they bow out again in the divisional round where they don't do anything on offense and all, and he's the primary play caller, and or if in fact the offense doesn't get any better, you know, if they they waste a year of Dak and a waste a year of Ceedee Lamb, and they really never figured anything out for Pollard, you know, that kind of stuff, you know, maybe that's the thing that might ultimately get him. I think Mike McCarthy is going to be back. I, I do. Now the problem is though. The problem is that he is uh, he's in a situation where, um, you know, he's he's kind of put all his eggs in one basket. And if it doesn't work, well, then he'll probably suffer the consequences. But they might figure out some things with this offense, but then still move on from him. Maybe the, uh, there's Bobby. The thing that, that worries me so much about the Cowboys is the the turnover on the coaching staff on the offensive side of the ball. That's the big concern for me. It's not the players. It's not Mike McCarthy, the play caller. It's how many things got turned over, you know. So I'm kind of a, I'm kind of like, a, I don't think their pressure is on him, but I think he has to, okay, I say that the pressure is on him. I think he has to do something different. I think that they have to show that they could still move the ball, they could still score points, but they've got to find a way not to get eliminated in the playoffs. Similar question uh, or, or along the, the same uh, topic, an offshoot. Joel Armstrong is asking, which player will possibly benefit slash suffer the most from the change in the offensive coaching staff this season? I mean, the easy answer here is Dak Prescott either will suffer. the uh, Dak Prescott will probably be one of these answers. Either Dak is going to suffer the most or benefit the most from the changes. Um, but if you're going to ask me, given the scheme – Who's somebody, and then the changes that they've had on the coaching staff, who's somebody that is the the likeliest candidate to, in a vacuum, have success from it or increase success from it, and who's likeliest to have decreased success? Uh, I, I think the person most likely to benefit from it is Brandon Cooks from what he's seen the last couple yeah. of years. Yeah. Um, it, it's This passing game is is going to see a lot of, you know, there's going to be two threats. This isn't just going to be CeeDee Lamb and a bunch of guys. They, they need to have a second passing threat. Yeah. I, I think – Brandon Cooks is going to get that. And the guy who it sounds like from all the discussion, and, and we'll see how it plays out. We'll see what the combination looks like. But the guy I think who has the chance to most suffer from the staff changes and the the scheme changes here is Terrence Steele. I don't, if yeah. they, end, they end up sticking Terrence Steele at left guard, I I don't know what. Mm. Please don't do that. Kid, kid's done a great job at right tackle. Him and Zach Martin together are a great combination running the football. Please don't do that to Terrence Steele. 
you know, let him let him play right tackle where he needs to play. Yeah, I, I think that that's exactly what it is. Now, when you look at if, if we're looking at benefits versus, you know, uh, who's going to struggle the most, uh, do you think these changes benefit or or harm Tony Pollard more? You know, I that's uh, a good question. And when you usually say it's a great question, you're thinking about your answer and you're <laughs> thinking about how to put it. I kind of feel like, though, with Tony uh, – they need to get Terrence Steele back at right tackle. They need to figure out what's going on at left guard, whether it's Tyler Smith or whoever. Uh, they, you know, I, I think it actually all the changes will help. Maybe help in a way that they went and got Schoonmaker. I think he's a better point of attack blocker. We'll see what Hunter Lipke can do as maybe a fullback in this um, in this offense. The fact that I think that Brian Schottenheimer has a feel for how to run the ball or want to run the football, I think will help Tony Pollard. We'll see with uh, with Mike Solari how that all works out. But I, I t- to the in the big picture, I think it actually helps him. I think it helps him because you know, like I say, McCarthy appears to want to do things in a way to help Dak with running game. Schottenheimer can surely scheme that running game. Uh, Solari, everybody's raving about techniques and stuff going on there. I think a lot of it has to do with how healthy uh, Pollard is, which I think he'll be, you know, that's going in the right direction. Schoonmaker, again, there's a lot of things going in a positive way. Uh, they got to figure out how to get him the ball in space by throwing it to him, whether it's screen packages or things like that. That does it for us here today on the Love of the Star. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll continue with this roster inventory over the next couple weeks as we lead into training camp, and then we'll be out in Oxnard in a little over a month's time. And then we'll be hanging out with you guys from out there, continue to bring programs with you, uh, bring programs to you. Uh, for Brian Broadus, I'm Bobby Belt. We will talk to you guys again later.